You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. Today on the podcast, I have a conversation with a new friend, Kate House. I was on her podcast, the Live by Design podcast, a couple um, weeks ago. Weeks ago, a month ago, time goes so fast. I don't know. So that's when my voice went up like that. We actually bonded over our love of Blissoma skincare, <laughs> which is a sponsor of my podcast and I believe of her podcast too. Um, we both love, love, love the brand so much that we approached them. Anyway, that's how we met. Bonded. I enjoyed my conversation with her. So she's on. We get into her life story. But one of the reasons I did want to chat with her is because I noticed that in her work, she likes to talk about purpose and also just the idea of live by design and not by default. So we do get into her journey. And then I wanted to, like, we get into this idea of purpose, which is something I feel like I've been talking more about. Lately, too, it can feel like such a big out there thing. What's my purpose? So stay tuned towards the end when we get into what each of us think purpose is. Um, all right. Oh, if you haven't yet, please follow the podcast that it used to be subscribed. Now I think it's follow. And if you haven't le left a review yet, please leave a review. And if you do, you can screenshot it and send an email to podcast at yourdryologist.com and I will send you a thank you gift. Uh, and while you're on the review bandwagon, <laughs> go relieve my book, F the Shoulds. Do the once a review on Amazon, on Goodreads, anywhere that you got the book. But those are the two best places for reviews, even if you bought the book somewhere else. And if you don't have it yet, what are you waiting for? You can go to ftheshouldsdothewants.com and find links to all the retailers there. You can also still claim bonuses after you order the book. If you already have the book, you can still claim bonuses there. So you can get ftheshouldsdothewants wherever books are sold. And you can go to ftheshouldsdothewants.com to find links right there, even to find it in like your closest independent bookstore. All right, let's get into the episode. All right, so I, I love starting with getting to know guests a little bit by like, what was your life like in high school? And like, did you have any ideas of who you were going to be in this world or what you were going to be when you grew up? <laughs> oh, I love this question, Trisha. Um, so I still remember the exact outfit I wore on the first day of school because I, wow, I know, right? And because I had a lot of social anxiety, which is funny that now I, I'm a podcaster because I tr I was in private, very small schools um, up through my eighth grade year. And then in ninth grade, I was like, I really want to go to school with the kids in my neighborhood. They really wanted to transition to a bigger school. So I switched to the public school and it was like a really big deal. Like not everybody was on board with my decision, but I did it. And I remember being so racked with like self-consciousness and being so concerned about how I was going to be perceived um, that I still remember exactly what I wore my first day of high school. And that I got more comfortable as the years went by for sure. But oh man, I was so nerdy in high school. I was like the least cool person around, but I made a, a handful of really good friends that I'm actually like still 
incredibly close with to this day. So yeah, I was like the kind of self-conscious nerdy girl who loved her art classes the most of all. <laughs> oh, and did the schools you go to prior than that have a uniform? Yes. Or no? Yeah. Because I, I went to, I only, grade school and high school was, had uniform mm-hmm. and I loved it. Oh, I know. I wish I still it's had like a uniform. It's like a part of me was like, oh yeah, I wish I, you know, and I even had a part, like I don't want to go to that high school uh, in some ways. But no, I really loved wearing a uniform and not having to think about mm-hmm. what am I going to wear, not just for my first day of school, but for every day because I do remember being so caught up in like, what does that mean about me? What is the coolest outfit to wear? And also, am I thin enough or this enough or blah, blah, blah? Like so much concern about outer appearance. And so it was so nice. I went to an all girls mm-hmm. Catholic high school and that I loved. I didn't enjoy so much my grade school experience, but mostly not because of the church, but like I loved wearing a uniform <laughs> and not wearing makeup and rolling out of bed and not caring about what I looked like. I still struggled with other things that I cared about what people thought about me, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was a big one. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I was like, I was just so nervous going into it. And then once I made some friends and I knew some people, the social anxiety got a little bit better. But I was still just so, yeah, I was just so focused on how I was perceived that I forgot to like enjoy the experience of high school. <laughs> but once I got to college, I feel like I really started to own who I was more. And so that was um, maybe more of, of telling of who I would become eventually. But yeah, in high school, I was definitely still very much um, in like a little self-protective shell of sorts. And what, so when you were getting to graduate high school and go to college, did you like have an idea of what you wanted to be or just like, okay, college is where I go next? Yeah, that's such a great question. So I knew I wanted to go to college because um, I'm like a total, like I still, I'm a total nerd. Like I love nothing more than reading a book and talking about it on the show, right? I just love any excuse to learn. So college felt like a really good natural next step. But the conflict for me came when I was choosing a major. And I know a lot of people probably go through this process of like changing their mind a bunch of times. And I was really, and, th- and this is very much in your wheelhouse, I had the influences of people in my life who told me what I should be majoring in, like, you'll have a great career if you major in this. And I really wanted to major in fine art. I just wanted to paint. And I was Mm. like, this is a skill that I have that not everybody has. I've honed it for years. I love art. And I eventually met with my study abroad advisor and I did a study abroad program that was just focused on fine art. And she was the first person who like, I've had a few people in my life who've given me permission to do what is on my heart to do. And those people are my gosh, I'm so grateful for them. And she she sat me down and was like, Kate, listen, like, first of all, my husband is the head of the art department and he's awesome. So like, you're in really good hands. Second of all, I will call your father and explain to him like why you should pursue the major that you love. Because I was just so worried wow. about disappointing my parent, right? And, uh, and I switched to be an art major and nothing crazy happened. My parents were still super supportive and I was so much happier, um, like being in the studio covered in paint all day, every day. <laughs> wow. And so what um, – that is great. And I love that she gave you that permission and also like confidence and direction of like, I'll even call your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also get it. It's like following your heart and then, so wait, fine art major. So what am I – like whatever, like – 
when when you started to let yourself be in that and study that and work with that, what did you imagine yourself to be doing post-college? Mm, that's a great question. I really, I didn't think too much about it, which in hindsight, maybe I should have, but because I went to a, a liberal arts school, so I was getting like this very um, like rounded education, like science and mathematics and history, and, you know, all the things. Um, but when I studied abroad, actually, I had like just such a, a wonderful experience that I started working in the study abroad office as a student when I came back. And so once I started doing that, I actually had the thought like, okay, I think this is the direction that I want to go with with my career. And it was kind of freeing in a way because I could really just enjoy the process of making art in my classes without the pressure of feeling like I had to then translate that into a career. Like it's continued to be something I, I still paint to this day, um, watercolors now instead of oils because I like paint once my kids are asleep and I don't have as much time. Um, but it's always been this like beautiful creative outlet. Um, but my career more stored towards like international education and supporting other students and having this kind of transformational experience abroad. I love that because it's like, yeah, it's sort of like you were then able to continue with this passion mm -hmm. and like love of creating and making art and studying it as well. But mm -hmm. it's not like, and then, oh, and I really like had such a great, amazing experience here. And I want to support other people mm -hmm. through that. So why not like, and it probably, I'm guessing just naturally evolved, right? Like, uh -huh. oh, I'll take a part-time job in this office. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. And then did that eventually, like, did you end up graduating and like staying with that yeah, you know, it's so funny because I worked in the office all the way through graduation. So a year and a half after I came back from studying in France and the program that I studied abroad with abroad had a U.S. office. And right when I was about to graduate, the woman who ran the office was about to go on maternity leave and then decided to stay home. So they were looking for a new office coordinator. And the gal I worked with, one of the full-time like non-student employees in the on-campus office I worked at as a student saw the job posting and was like, you have to apply for this job. <laughs> and so I did. And I got flown out for the interview. And I still remember like that boss. Uh, he's like so and so near and dear to my heart at like still on my Christmas card list, still somebody I text on his birthday kind of relationship. And I remember him asking, I was from outside of Philadelphia originally. And he goes, so what do you think of Chicagoland? That's where the office was based. And I was like, I've never been here before. Sounds great. <laughs> but it just, did it you felt, move? I did. Yes, I moved. Oh, got it. Moved across the country for the job right after graduation. And my now husband, then boyfriend at the time are like, we dated all of college and I had no intention of dating in college. But then I met Dennis and was like, well, there goes that plan. <laughs> and our deal was whoever got the first job, that's where we would move to. And we were kind of willing to, to do whatever. And, and that was also kind of freeing in a way to know I could move anywhere, but I'd get to move there with my like closest friend. And with my partner um, made it a lot less scary to move somewhere I'd never really been before. So you both then moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Or Chicago area, or yeah, Chicago. yeah, they call it Chicago Land. We're in the western yeah. suburbs. We're about like forty-five minutes from downtown, so like very solidly in the suburbs of like the Wheaton Naperville area. Got it. And um, are you guys still there? Yeah, so good question. So we we lived there for about seven years, and then we and did you work for that company? The whole time? So I worked for them. So this is a funny story. So I worked for them for about four years. And then I jokingly have what was my quarter life crisis because at 25, I, 
at that point in my life, I hadn't learned how to really ask for help. And so the company I was working for was growing and I didn't know how to ask for help. Like I just worked harder and longer. And I got to a point where I was completely burnt out. And I'd had this like little voice in my mind saying like, at that time I had started running a lot to kind of help manage the stress of my workload. And I started having nightmares about like my email crashing. Like it, there were a lot of red flags that I I didn't even know to look for. I was just like, I'll just work harder. It's fine. <laughs> um, and so I started running more to, and that helped me feel better. And I love being in community with people. I love sweating together and breathing together and just being in this space. And so when I had this moment of burnout, I had this voice in my head that was like, I think you should be a yoga teacher. And so I actually made like a huge pivot. Um, and I, I put in my notice at my international education job and it was even like a tearful goodbye. Cause like, I loved the people I worked with, but I was like, this is just no longer in alignment for me. I don't know how to do this right now and, and not let it consume me. Um, cause I'm like, a, I used to be a very high overachiever and I've been working on that, <laughs> but yeah. So <laughs> the rest of the time we were in Illinois for about three years, I taught yoga and I managed a studio and, uh, it was like one of my favorite jobs I've ever had up until now being a podcast host, like it, it, in that season, it just felt so in alignment with where I wanted to be and how I wanted to feel every day when I woke up and got to go to work. Um, yeah. And I just, I loved it so much. I'm guessing that was such a big change, not only like what your work looks like and your schedule, but was it a big financial shift as well to like, yeah, with a job you'd been at for a while that was likely corporate, yeah, whatever. And then, okay, I'm gonna go <laughs> be a yoga teacher. I manage a yoga studio. Yeah, absolutely. And and it it was funny because I've always I've always been willing to bet on myself. Like I've always known if I make a decision that feels right, like I will work hard enough to make it happen. And so there was definitely some like financial planning we did at that point, my husband and I were married. Um, and we had, you know, decided to combine our finances, and he has a government job. And so we were like, okay, we have stability there. We're just going to scale back all of our expenses. And I when I tell you, Trisha, that I taught all over Chicagoland, like, I drove all over Chicagoland, because when I first started, I was like, I'm just going to teach anywhere that will let me teach like as a brand new teacher. And I was still like, there's so many weird words coming out of my mouth when I'd start to teach. And I was like, that's not what I wanted to say. Or like, you know, you just have to figure it out by doing it a lot of the time. And so I think I've spent more money in gas money getting to studios in the northern suburbs and the southern suburbs and downtown. Um, but within six months, I was like a pretty good yoga teacher, I think, for the amount of time I had been teaching. Um, and, and from there, I was able to get connected to this just this one specific studio. And they had a couple of locations. And I just taught a bunch at their different locations. They were all close to my home. So I like I really worked hard for about six months to get to a place where I could then start to really create the life that I, I was really envisioning for myself at that time. But yeah, it was definitely definitely a financial change, um, but it was totally worth it once we were on the other side of that. And I was starting to match close to what I was making before when I was more in like a corporate setting. And with that sort of like hustling to make it 
work as a yoga teacher or just like make yeah yeah you were like yeah like only take any opportunity at first to teach and driving all over and then even once you got locked in with that studio you said still like teaching the amount of classes mm-hmm. was that something that was sustainable to you to then because that also like I know I've I've known several yoga teachers that end up like burning out because uh-huh. they're like yes filling their schedule (laughs) with all of these group (laughs) classes and running around town and then they don't even have their own yoga practice anymore because (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely and and the interesting thing about teaching yoga it's kind of like coaching or or things where you're pouring your energy into the class emotionally physically it's a very physically demanding job you're using your mind a lot because you're queuing all the like 60 minutes worth of a class and you're the only person talking you're totally in charge of all these people and normally your entire sequence is in your head and so you're like you know there's a lot of multitasking so it requires a lot of energy so absolutely i got to a point where i was like i can't keep teaching all of these classes um and i talked to one of the managers and it, it worked out so well because they were looking to hire a new manager for one of their locations so i was able to move more into a role because i did have great email skills i have great customer service relations and so i was able to move into a role where i would teach about half the number of classes i was before And the rest of the time, I was just kind of the face of the studio. I was the person that greeted people as they came in. And I love that. Like, I light up in those situations. And so I was able to find that balance. But having had the experience of burnout just a few years prior, I had told myself, like, listen, like, let's I call them bumpers. I think of like a bowling lane. And I'm like, okay, let's think about bumpers. And what are some of the bumpers I need in my life? Like, if I start to go too far off course one way or the other, what can bring me back into like this lane where I am healthy and vibrant. And so like if I'm checking email at weird hours of the night or if I'm mm. like feeling exhausted, if I'm getting sick all the time, like these are all things in my life that when I approach burnout, these things happen consistently. Um, so I started to become more aware of that. So when if those times did start to come, I could be like, whoop, pump the brakes. <laughs> we need to recalibrate a little. That's great. So were those things that you had cr- decided for yourself or not decided, but like seen and like made note of that you said like, yeah, to be alert of before you even like started the yoga career or did it slowly start to happen? Like as you maybe noticed like, oh, okay, now I'm doing all of this. Like, oh, I'm getting sick again. I was like, oh, alert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually, I write myself an email anytime I start like a new chapter because I have this tendency to just like, go all in on things and then I overcommit. And so I write myself an email. This sounds so funny, but it it totally works. And I've had clients do it too. I write myself an email that's like, dear future Kate, (laughs) if when you receive this message, you're feeling, and then I just like list like any of those symptoms of like, do you feel exhausted? Are you sick? Like, are you stressed? Are you grinding your teeth at night? Are you getting migraines? Like all these different things that for me, like one-off events aren't a big deal, but if they're happening in combination, that means that something isn't right. And I literally, like, I write this whole email to myself, like, like lovingly, future Kate, if you are experiencing these things, like, it's time for you to sit down and have, like, an honest evaluation and decide, like, what does your calendar look like? Does it reflect your values? Is it moving you in the direction you want to go? And, like, giving you the opportunity to be joyful in each day, too, because, like, your life is lived right now. And then I signed it like past Kate. And then I scheduled the email to go to myself 
six months in the future. So it just sits in my Gmail. Wait, I didn't even know you could schedule yeah. <laughs> things that far in the future. Yes. <laughs> wow. Is that amazing? <laughs> so it was that. So like, did, when was the first time you did that, sent yourself an email? So the first time I did it was when I started that managing position because I was like, okay, Kate, this is your opportunity to like- The managed position at the studio? At the yoga studio. Or- yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, this is your chance to like recalibrate, to like still teach and do what you love, but to also like- it wasn't so hard on me physically or like mentally, like teaching all those classes. It wasn't logistically, it was a lot easier too, because I wasn't driving all over the place. But yeah, I got an email from myself like six months in and was like, are you still loving this? <laughs> like, wow. And it's been super helpful. So anytime we have a big life event, like a move or a new career path or like any new thing that we kind of layer into our lives, um, I schedule these emails to myself. And sometimes I get them and I'm like, you're doing a great job, Kurt, Kate, like you're rocking it. Sometimes I get it. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, no, maybe I need to like take stock of things. <laughs> Love that. So what happened? Um, I don't think you're managing a yoga studio any longer. <laughs> so did you guys what happened from there? Yeah, so we wrapped up our time in Chicago in 2017. Because um, we, so my husband and I had been married for a few years at that point. And I actually thought I wanted to wait longer before starting a family. But one day I woke up and I was like, I would really love to start our family. And my husband was like, wait, I thought, what, what's the plan? I was like, nope, let's do this. And so we knew that when we had a family and we had kids, we wanted to be closer to our own families. And we didn't actually have, we had made amazing friends who are our family out in the Chicagoland area, but we wanted to be close to grandparents and aunts and uncles. And so we moved back east. My husband got a new position and we moved back east. And when we moved, I had the intention of teaching yoga again, but I got pregnant with my son, Dexter. And I had these terrible pregnancies where I was sick all nine months. Like I couldn't keep food down. It was, and I say that with so much love for anybody who's like had a fertility journey. Um, my experience of being pregnant was I was so grateful for this baby, um, but I was so sick. Like the experience of carrying him was just, was mentally difficult. I went through my very first depression during that time because I just, my life had changed so much. It was almost like a, a lockdown, um, like a COVID style lockdown, but I had never experienced that before. Cause this was 2017. Cause I was so sick. I, I couldn't really go anywhere. Um, and so I couldn't teach yoga. I had set up a couple interviews. I was really excited. And I was like, I can't lead a yoga class. And so that actually led to a really beautiful pivot, though. I had started um, a health coaching program at that time to coach because I had had yoga students in Illinois who wanted to work on intentional living, living a purpose aligned life, who wanted to live by design and not by default. And I was like, well, I would love to help you with that. But I do want to make sure I have the right credentials and and make sure I'm advising it or not ad- advising, but I'm I'm coaching from a place of from a, like a good place to be coaching from, right. And so I did a health coaching program um, while I was pregnant. And after Dexter was born, um, I started my health coaching practice. And that's when I started working with clients one-on-one and really looking at like the holistic picture. So these things that I had done for myself, like what are my bumpers or what makes me feel alive and vibrant during the day? Um, What direction is my life heading? So we look at all these different areas of life. uh, And I I did that for a while. And then I I had a couple of people who were like, you know, Kate, like it'd be really cool if you could talk to more people. Because I was putting up these Instagram stories. I was having a lot of fun, like talking to the camera. I'm like a total ham. Um, Even though I had social anxiety, like I am like a ham in front of the camera. That's what my mom tells me. 
And my one friend was like, I think you should start a podcast. And that was another person in my life who gave me permission because I had been thinking about it for a while. And I was like, maybe I can start a podcast. I don't know. Is that crazy? And then one of my friends was like, you should do it. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And it's cool in hindsight how you see like the learning about presence and meditation and breath, breath work and being a yoga instructor and then the holistic health coaching and then becoming a podcaster like you can connect all the dots in hindsight. Sometimes when you're in that season, you can't see exactly the trajectory. But when you look back, you're like, oh, all that actually really makes sense leading to where where we are today, which is pretty cool. Bringing you a brief interruption because, oh my goodness, I went off my normal skincare routine when I was like traveling around the holidays and stuff. And I It is incredible what a difference it makes in how my skin looks and feels. So my normal skin routine is using all Blissoma skincare products, which is authentic green beauty. It's cutting edge chemistry meets traditional herbal knowledge for the best of both worlds. Julie, who has been a past guest, everything is made in-house in their location. And it is just next level. I know skincare can be confusing. There's so much stuff out there. And honestly, a lot of the labeling is not monitored. So people can call things, you know, organic, green, this, that, this is the product you need for your skin. And there's no way to telling if it's BS or not. So all Blasoma skincare products are based on whole herb extracts, unrefined oils, and fresh juices. The products are rich with antioxidants, bioavailable vitamins, essential fatty acids, and complex phytonutrients that are usually missing in refined commercial skincare products. They're free of pedo petrochemical ingredients, artificial preservatives, and synthetic colors and fragrances. It really matters not just what we put into our bodies, but what we put on our bodies and our skin. So not only though are they made of the best ingredients, they do so much to make sure they're actually working with your skin. My skin is just like so glowy that I don't even want to put on my like tinted moisturizer sunscreen thing that I always, always, always wear because my skin just is glowing and it feels so good. So I use one of Blissoma's sunscreens because of course we need sunscreen. So please go check out their products at blissoma.com. The link will be in the show notes. You can use my code claimit 20 for anything in the moisturizer category. We're in winter here. We need lots of moisture. Um, Some of my favorites are... Aura, the Phyto Brightening Serum, Free, the Rejuvenating Herbal Gel Cleanser, and Restore, the Omega Miracle Facial Oil. Go check them out. Go to blissoma.com. I promise you, you will not regret buying these products and using them on your skin. Blissoma.com. The code is CLAIMIT20. Yeah, I love that. And when you were in the place to want to start the podcast and your friend said that and yeah, like you noticed, like you said, sharing on Instagram and stuff like that, were you it, sharing? It sounds like to me like it, even though you had gotten into coaching, sort of holistic health coaching, were you sharing more about life 
mm-hmm. in general and finding joy or were you sharing about eating well? Yeah, you know, and taking care of your body. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great question. Or both. <laughs> yeah, I would say a little. And like, oh, I'm sorry, Trisha, I keep interrupting you. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I just love chatting with you. <laughs> um, so it was a little bit of both um, at the beginning. So I one of I think my second episode ever was about core values and how it makes decision making easier. So there was that through line from the very beginning, and and I call my show the Live by Design podcast because to me it's what I want out of life is to live by design and not by default. And so that's where the idea of the show came from is live by design. I actually have all my race medals from all of, I've run a lot of half marathons in the past. Now I love to walk. It's my new love. But in the past I ran races and I actually have a sign that says live by design. And it's what all my race medals are on. And I bought that and I had it made by an Etsy artist like four years before I started the podcast. So this idea of live by Mm. design had had been with me for a long time. It had been percolating. Um, and then it finally kind of came to fruition with the podcast. And so, yeah, it started with core values. It started with, um, I think, like my third episode ever. I had my husband on and we talked about the gratitude practice that we do with each other and how it's made us closer as a partners and helps us really see each What's other. What's the gratitude practice you have oh, together? It's so fun. So you don't have to go detailed into it because we can go to episode... That's right. Three, three. maybe? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> don't judge because I was baby podcaster, Kate. We're a long way from there. But basically, it's very simple. And you could do it with your partner. You could do it with um, a friend. You could text to each other at night. Um, but every night at bedtime, uh, we turn to each other and we say specifically one thing we're grateful to the other person for from that day. Um, so like today, for example, I'll tell Dennis tonight, like, hey, babe, I'm so grateful that you cooked dinner while Trish and I were talking on the podcast. Like, I really I see you. I appreciate you. Um, and the fact that you did that after working a full day and and that you're getting off of a cold. Right. And then we'd say one thing that we're grateful for in general. Um, so I'll say something like, oh, I'm so grateful that earlier today, like I took my boys to the YMCA and we went swimming together for the first time since they had six weeks of swim lessons and their swimming had improved so much. And that was so exciting for me. And so that's like exactly what I'll share with him tonight. And then he'll in turn, he'll probably say, I'm grateful that you went to visit my grandma at uh, the hospital because she was, she was recently in there for an injury and we went and visited her today. And then whatever his, his general grateful is. So it takes less than five minutes, but it really allows you to acknowledge your partner and and for them to feel seen and appreciated because um I don't know I think it's so easy to just feel like underappreciated by by you know when you're doing life with somebody and you're in the especially with the little young kids they're three and five so we're very deep in the trenches of, of young parenthood um so it's nice to have that time at night to just like acknowledge and hold space for the other person no I like that and I feel like too that sometimes there can even be I would catch myself in a relationship being like wanting to say thank you for something, but also being like, well, yeah, that's like, wait, why am I thanking them for that when I do? You know what I mean? Like, especially yes. with, um, it can, you know, the default parent and stuff like that. So like holding back. But then I was like, well, that's weird. But so this feels like different and intentional. So even if I had caught myself in that moment of like wanting to say thank you, then it's like, having this moment at the end of the day and it's like I'm so grateful like you're coming to it from a different energy where to me a part of me was like why do I feel like I got to say thank you for every little tiny thing they do <laughs> yeah when I do blah, 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 like you know like that I would feel this like but I am grateful but this like this pool and <laughs> <in>, like annoyance <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so like to be able to 
come to it from that different, like it's not a different place, but like more mm-hmm. intentional space and to be like, I am so grateful for this. It also just feels different than saying, thank you. Like, thanks yeah. for doing that. Like that in the moment, actually, like into being like, I'm so grateful that you did mm-hmm. that today. Yeah. And one thing too that I appreciate about it is sometimes the thing we're grateful to the other person for is like, like recently he brought something to my attention. He was like, Hey, it actually kind of hurts my feelings when you do such and such. And I was, and we had a whole conversation about it. And that night I was like, Hey babe, I'm really grateful that you brought up that thing and that we talked about it because it was not an easy conversation to have, but it's really important to me to show up and be the kind of partner that is supportive of you or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so sometimes the gratitude is, is like, Hey, we did this hard thing together. Um, and I'm really proud of us for it, right? And it's just taking that moment to be like, we're growing stronger, um, whether it's a big moment that we're grateful for. And sometimes it's little. It's like, I'm grateful that we got to watch an episode of Peaky Blinders together, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm interested in this live by design. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you think that came from? Because you're saying you had a sign like custom made at Etsy years ago mm-hmm. when you were not at all like, oh, okay, I need a tagline for a podcast or a coaching course or something like that, right? (laughs) Like it was like somehow came to you and meant so much that you went and had something made for it, not with the idea you would do anything with it out in the world, I'm guessing. Yeah, you know, it's funny when those things happen. I remember it was a friend's mom, who I'm also friends with, had posted uh, the line um, on like her Facebook probably all those years ago. I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I was then. And I saw it and it just struck me and I like screenshotted it and I, and it just stuck with me. And I think why it stuck with me is because it's, it just put words to an experience that I had already been living, but I didn't have words for it yet. And I'll explain what I mean. So I'm the oldest of four in my family and my younger brother was 18 months younger than me. And then we have two sisters and they're about like a decade younger than us. My parents had us kind of in pairs. And my brother was born um, autistic, type 1 diabetic. He had a hole in his heart he had surgery for when he was about four, um, speech apraxia. Just like he was dealt a really hard hand. And he actually just passed away this last summer um, after losing a fight to pneumonia. And so he, even with all these hard things in his life, like he had to work so hard to learn how to talk. Like my mom taught him sign language. And then once he would learn a sign, he could pair the word with it verbally. And then he could use the word, even if it sounded a little bit different. um, We knew what he meant when he said certain things. And so even with all of that, even having to have his, his blood sugar checked all day and being insulin dependent, all these things, he was like one of the most joyful people I have ever known. And so if he could if he could show up in this world the way that he did, even with all the challenges he was facing, I felt like even from a very young age, like if I didn't live with purpose and I was given such a different deck of hands that I was, you know, playing hand that I was dealt when I was born, I was like, well, I didn't have to work so hard to learn how to speak. I didn't, you know, I can have relationships in a different way and um, I, I can go to school and I can learn in a different way. And I felt like if he could be so joyful, despite all the challenges he had every day, I was like, well, I have to live with purpose too, because I almost felt like, I was like, well, I, sh- I have to do this for me, but I also have to do this for my brother. And so that's where this idea of just, I, I never want to get to the end of my life and feel like I defaulted through my days. Like I just went through the motions because what my brother taught me was that life is such a beautiful gift. No matter 
how you know who you are what you choose to do like it's it's such a gift right and and he taught me how to live it in the moment with so much love and so much joy in the day to day and i can get lost in my head thinking you know 10 steps ahead of things and he always taught me like just be where your feet are right and so mm-hmm. that that's really where that came from was was learning from him at such an early age the gift that life is and the gift to be born who I am and and to have these things on my heart that I want to share with the world. And I felt like a disservice to life to not share that and and eventually to get over, you know, the fear, the perfectionism or the anxiety and to just kind of do it scared and see what happens. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, and wow, it sounds like he had such an incredible spirit yeah, and made that impact. And yeah, what I was hearing as you were talking that sort of like, how dare I? Exactly. Like, how dare I live my life not being aware at what mm-hmm. a gift it is? And like, you know, we can get so caught up in so much BS. Mm-hmm. And then like, and look at your brother. Yeah. And the, yeah, what he's dealt with, and he's over here mm-hmm. in joy. And like, yeah, um, wow. And yet when you said, um, yeah, you mentioned the word purpose and that's mm-hmm. something that I was going to talk to you about. What does purpose mean for you? Because I have been feeling like words like purpose and I don't know if maybe it's just purpose or there's another one that I can't think of right now that it's like people can feel as if like, yeah, what's my purpose in life? Like, mm-hmm. why am I here? And that it has to be like this big thing. So if yeah. I don't have like some big life-changing work, if I'm not whatever, maybe I have to like volunteer 24-7 or I'm not a doctor or a nurse or I'm creating some life-changing work out of the world, like I don't have purpose. Like, what's my purpose? Like, we make it too hard mm-hmm. to feel as if we are here for a reason and we have purpose. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. I love this topic and I actually teach a whole masterclass on it because first of all, the, the first thing I always want to talk about when it comes to purpose is you're not behind. Some of us feel like we've already fallen behind. Like, well, I'm already in my mid thirties and I haven't started on this grand purpose. So I'm just not going to start because I'm already behind. But that's not true. You can start any day, right? So you're not behind. And the second thing is that your purpose to me, I, I'm, I'm, it's really important to me to have definitions, to have something to work from. And my working definition of purpose was, is inspired by Mark Manson. He's a, an American philosopher and a, a fellow author. And he says that your purpose is spending your time doing what feels important to you. And that can mean different things for all sorts of people. So sometimes for me, it could be painting because that feels important to me and it gets me into flow and I feel great. Um, purpose for me can be doing this work right here, having this conversation with you, right? Connecting with incredible people and and getting to learn along the way and then sharing that with our communities, right? Um, Spending my time well can mean being super present with my kids and jumping on the trampoline together and like hoping I don't pee my pants at the same time, right? Like, but spending my time well. And the other thing that I want to touch on based on what you had said, and I think is so true is that we feel like purpose is this like, grandiose thing right like it has to it has to be celebrated by others it has to be seen it has to be achievement based whatever uh, but i would challenge that your purpose can be as big or as personal or private as you want first of all that you can have more than one purpose because seasons of life change and so your sense of purpose might change with it 
I think you can pursue more than one purpose at one time even, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be shiny. Um, people don't have to cheer for you. You know, it, to me, purpose is showing up every day, spending my time doing what's important to me, having that joy and that gratitude in the day to day while still working towards future goals. I love having goals, um, but I use them as like a North star, right? Like my sense of purpose gives me this North star that I'm working towards, but I don't want to work towards this purpose or this end goal or, or something I'm saying like successful in air quotes, because I think we should all define success for ourselves and not an outward uh, way of defining success. But what happens if, you know, your purpose was this thing and you do it? Well, like, what about all the time after that? Right? Like, what does that mean? And so for me, purpose is it's just living my life well, spending my time well, doing what's important to me and and having that that future focus, having that that idea of, of where I'm working towards, but never to sacrifice that the joy in the day right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I am constantly reminding and even like when I'm having podcast conversations, with people, it's like highlighting these moments um, of impact in your life. Like, like even going back to the person who told you to pursue fine art, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So people can feel like if I have a regular job and I'm a regular person out in the world, like, yeah, what is my purpose, mm-hmm. right? So her showing up for her life and her work that she, who knows how many people's lives she impacted by being honest with people, by seeing that in you, that Mm -hmm. you come alive with fine art, nudging you to pursue that, Mm -hmm. right? Like these moments in our lives that really huge impact happens from a friend's mom shared a quote on Facebook, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, exactly right. How does she know that that was going to like – align so much with you and put this like fire behind you, mm-hmm. right? In different ways that you didn't know would come to. So what I'm getting at is that I feel we all have purpose mm-hmm. and we are here for a reason to simply be ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be like, my purpose is to change people's lives. My per- like, you know, like I have purposes. They're not like, yeah, I have purpose to wake people up to enjoy their life. Like, but I don't have like, it's that. But it's like, it's like, I do feel like people can act as if unless you're like, I am out here sharing this mission or doing this work or even, okay, I need to go, like I said, like give everything up and go volunteer for life. Then like, what is my purpose? Yeah. You'd have no freaking clue how you are impacting people by being yourself, by being kind, by giving a compliment, by sharing a quote, (laughs) by, you know, like I've had people on my podcast where they're like, uh, this person thought he was going to be in the military and he's the person riding to school with him that was just based on this kid never talked, card sharing, whatever, gave him a mixtape of hip hop music and was just like, the only thing this kid ever said to him was like, you have terrible taste in music. <laughs> From the music that they were listening to on the way to school, that person ended up becoming a hip hop hip hop artist and like meditation guide and like all this stuff like that because of this kid. Yep. <laughs> telling that he had terrible taste. Like, it's just like these small things and you can be like, well, how is that purpose? But it's like, we have no idea how we're impacting other people's lives from just 
being yourself and like saying these things out in the world. And so like for me, I feel like, yeah, we have this deep purpose within us and we don't have to define it because it is us. Yes, absolutely. And and to, to piggyback off of that, I think sometimes there's this misconception that your purpose has to be your job, like your work, like what you do all day. And sometimes I think like if you enjoy your work and you're like, maybe it's not my ultimate purpose, but like, I like my colleagues. I like my work. Like, I feel like I'm I'm working towards something like that's great. I think sometimes there can be this idea like to pursue your purpose. Like you said, you have to like sell everything and volunteer all your time or like, I, you know, whatever that is. But like, I actually think you could pursue your purpose like in your non-work hours. <laughs> I think you could pursue your purpose on the weekends. Like, whatever that looks like for you and and your purpose can look like so many different things. And sometimes people, and I, and I know this because I have been there. Um, we have this idea that like, we can't take action towards our perfect, our, our purpose, unless it's perfect. Like we have to know exactly what aligned action to take. And to that, I would say like, nothing changes if nothing changes. So if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you're not making progress, um, try new things, right? Like, go back to the drawing board. What did you enjoy when you were a kid, right? Like, what did you enjoy doing? What made you excited? What got you into a flow state? And start to do some of those things again. Like I've had clients who are like, oh, I went and took a dance class. And they're like, and I had so much fun. And they're like, maybe the dance class isn't like my ultimate sense of purpose, but it reconnected me with this sense of joy and being in the moment. And then maybe they meet somebody there that they become friends with. And that person's really important to them. Like, you never know where something's going to go. And so we have to be, Ed Milet has this great quote, um, imperfect action beats perfect inaction. And that's something that's always stuck with me. This I can get paralyzed with wanting to do things perfectly. Um, but you can't, you can't find what you love if you're, if you're afraid of trying something new and, and, having to do it perfectly because you're never going to do anything perfectly. Right. And so it's kind of permission giving to be like, I'm just going to go back to the drawing board, try new things and see what resonates. Ask myself, does this feel like I'm spending my time doing what's important? Yeah, totally. And that's what, what, yeah, that's what I was similar saying in a different way with your purpose and like finding those things that bring you joy and light you up and that you're passionate mm-hmm. about. And that doesn't have to be what your work in the world is. And that, yeah, like who you are as a person, you do make a difference whether you are a barista at Starbucks, Mm -hmm. whether you're the cashier at your local grocery store, whether you're answering the phones in customer service, like we're all part of the world going around. Mm -hmm. And so you may seem as if, oh, I am not enough or I don't have purpose because of that. But like it's seeing like that your worth is contributing to the greater world and that, yeah, maybe that's not like your passion Mm -hmm. or that, but like, oh, I'm serving. I'm like, I am of great service here. And like, this is necessary. I'm necessary. And then also like, yeah, go do the things that bring you the joy, like, yeah, get back in touch with the dance or the art or the this or the like, whatever it is that it doesn't have to be. It's I think that's too. It's like people can feel like there's something wrong with them or they're not have enough drive or whatever. If it's not, I have a job that contributes to my family and to the world as a whole. Like it has to be, I am this. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah play your music, create your art, do those things, whatever it is, your crafts, decorate your house on the side. Like you don't have to make that thing. 
<laughs> be your work, even if it's something that brings you joy and you are great at. Absolutely. And sometimes you have to do those things just for the sake of doing them. You don't have, yes. you know, we can be so results oriented. And I mean, I love goals, but even goal oriented, right? We can lose ourselves in the, per- the pursuit of that thing. Um, like I think back to like when I started the podcast, like I didn't know I'd now be 200 plus episodes in and growing my coaching and I'm about to host a summit, like all these things. If someone had told me that five years ago, I've been like, you're off your rocker. Like I can't do that. Right. But like, you just keep, you you could listen to that little voice. That's like, Hey, I think you might really enjoy this. And you show up like a little trepidatious, like maybe your palms are a little sweaty, but you're like, I'm just going to try it. Like, I remember the first time I sat down to record for the podcast, my boys were still little. My youngest was still nursing. Like I did it from the hours of like 7 to 9 p.m. like twice a week. And I would sit there and I would get so sweaty just sitting and recording by myself because I was so nervous. Right. And but I just kept kept going. And eventually it got easier. And I felt comfortable reaching out to to friends to ask them on the show and then eventually um, to submit things to connect like with people like you. I'm like, I really look up to this person. I'd love to talk to them. Right. But that grows with time and that grows with with trying new things, right? And and here's the beautiful thing. I told myself like when I started the show, it's like if I get 10 episodes in and I like don't enjoy this, like then I just stop and I like see what the next thing is that feels like a good use of my time and feels important to me, right? And sometimes you have to you have to try different things to figure it out. And I think there's a beauty in that and being in the process. Um and just showing up for yourself. I think there's a confidence that's built there. Even if the thing you're doing right now isn't the thing, maybe it never has to be. Maybe it's just the lesson you're learning that day that's important. Yeah, I love that. It's like you're saying when you started the podcast, it wasn't as if this is my new thing. And so now I'm going to be a podcast host. And eventually that will lead to this. And that's how I can grow this and blah, blah, blah. You were just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I do really seem to like talking and sharing these things. Maybe I'll try this and we'll see where it goes. I'll give myself 10 episodes and we'll see. Exactly. And I gave myself 10 episodes and then 10 episodes and then 10 episodes like five times. And then eventually I was like, okay, I think I actually really love this, right? But but sometimes you have to just give yourself permission to try, right? There are plenty of things that I've tried that I've been like, oh, this is, nope, this is not for me. And, and that's great because sometimes finding out what isn't right for you is just as helpful as figuring out what does feel right. Yeah, I love that. And kind of similar, but I just remembered a past guest of mine, Donna Bowling. She like just recently started a new podcast. So she already had a podcast, show up on video. She was like a video coach. She used to be a, she was a past podcast guest. So she like, yeah, if you haven't listened to her story, it's pretty great. But like did casting for TV shows. Anyway, started her own business these things and she's doing well and then like a couple weeks ago maybe at the new year all of a sudden she just decided like I feel like starting another podcast show where it's just like daily she just like talks about whatever every day short like 10 to 12 minute episodes and didn't know what she was gonna do with it or whatever Mm -hmm. just felt like I'm gonna just talk about this book I read or whatever pop culture like you know these things and now she's been sharing lately like this podcast is doing better than any like podcast she ever done. And it was for her just like something she felt like doing for fun. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I just want to talk about pop culture or this thing I read or this book, whatever. So like not even related to her work or whatever. Like she was just leaning into this. And now it's just like, whoa, this is like, wow. For some reason, <laughs> like that's landing. And like, you know, it might have been a part of her that she really had wanted to share or do for a while. Like 
in, a, in some way out in the world, right? Of like just being myself, yeah. perhaps. Instead of like she's an amazing coach and great at what she does and really, really helps people and then that. So it's just like an interesting thing like that I've loved watching her just lean into this. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I just feel like getting the mic and talk about things that have nothing even to do with my business <laughs> or whatever. And that's like, who knows what it's going to grow into. But it's like, yeah, it's like already like so much doing so much better than all the other business podcasts she's done that had so much like great information. <laughs> I love that. And that's like kind of magical, right? And and it, it, it feels like there's this through line to our conversation that's getting back in touch with what it is that you actually want, right? It's not um, majoring in the thing you, you should major in. It's not having the job you're supposed to have. Time and time again, what I'm hearing in this conversation is we're coming alive when we're doing the thing that feels right for us personally, right? Like we're all unique. We all like only you have your own set of all the experiences that you've had, right? And and how permission giving it can be for other people to see you living as yourself, right? And and kind of just unapologetically being who you are and who you want to continue growing into, right? And this idea of, of these touchstones, these people who've been giving me permission. And, and now eventually I'm at this place where I can give myself that own permission, but it took me 33 years to get here. Um, and that's a really cool place to be, right? But I, time and time again in this conversation, I feel like we're just coming back to this idea of like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, and you're the perfect person for this conversation, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, sorry, ask <laughs> the shoulds. <laughs> do, do the ones. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Okay. Wrapping up, what are some things that you do to raise your joy levels? Oh, gosh. I love this question so much. I actually just recorded a podcast episode about my joy jar. So I created this jar. So I'm not like a very spontaneous person and I have a hard time engaging in play. And but I when I'm doing it, I really enjoy it. And so I have to put these like structures in my life to give myself permission to play and mm -hmm. to be like, this doesn't have to be productive. I'm just going to enjoy this time. And so Things that raise my joy level. Reading, absolutely. I love nothing more than sitting down. I just started a court of thor thorns and roses or something like that. It's like a, a kind of sci-fi genre, but it's been super fun to read. And I've stayed up way too late reading this book, but it's just, I can't put it down. Um, other things in my joy jar are things that like, oh, like I love like doing a puzzle. I love going for a walk by myself without technology. I love like sweating, like any kind of like yoga or a walk or anything that like gets my body moving brings me so much joy. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing that really has been bringing me joy, two things. My kids love bouncing on the trampoline and there's nothing like spending time with a three-year-old and a five-year-old because I'm I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom. And so I'm home with them right now. They haven't started school yet. Um and so being outside with them and I leave my phone inside and I just commit anytime we're outside, especially like no technology, like let's just be together. And we bounce on the trampoline and we do, they call them spin jitsu moves and like, the, you know, we bounce each other around and it's just so purely, beautifully joyful. Um, and then the last thing that's raising my joy is that um, I have two dogs, but my elderly dog just had like pretty major surgery and she's doing great now about two months post surgery and seeing her run around and just chase a tennis ball has brought me like a ridiculous amount of joy. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, okay. I asked people to apply this phrase to their life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. Mm. What's easiest for me is to talk and what's best for me is to listen. 
How does that show up for you more? Mm, I have, I've had to work really hard on not trying to fix things and just hold space when I'm like having a conversation. Cause I, I love to fix things. And sometimes somebody just needs you to be like, I'm here, please listen. Like, please like l- just hold space for me. Um, and that's something I learned back when I did my coaching program years ago and I use it in coaching, but I use it in like my day to day life. It's like, sometimes you just gotta be quiet. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Or I'll just be like, Oh, I want to like, uh, oh, I know I did this or blah, 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 or this or that, or like, or I can figure out what they're going to say before they finish saying it. And so I like want to like jump too. And then I'm like, right, yes. The value, like the value of being heard. The value, like, it's like, I have to like, but again, it's like not so much with my coach. Well, sometimes, but it's like, yeah, it's more with like my friend. Exactly. I'm like, all right, okay. I know where you're going with this. Let's just, and I'm like, oh, wait. Like, and and it comes from a good place. It comes to this place yeah. of like being excited by the conversation, wanting to join in. And so yeah. you feel like, zip, get some yeah. Hate. <laughs> yeah, I find it happens more in my friendships. Yes. <laughs> um, I've gotten much better about it, though. But yeah, it's still a continual thing. Yep. Okay, the last question is, what are you claiming for yourself right now? I am mm, claiming abundance. That's like my like word that's kind of guiding this year for me. And for me, it's like energetic abundance. Like I feel like I've been saying when people ask, how are you? I've been saying I'm tired for like five years Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, it's time to prioritize my health again. Like even as a health coach, like you can like you get into a season of life that's hard and you're like, okay, we need to recalibrate. Um, So yeah, like abundant health and energy abundance in my business. I'm trying some new things this year I've never done before, which is like you know, just outside the edge of my comfort zone, which is exciting. And so, yeah, I just like, I'm calling in abundance. I'm like totally claiming that word. Awesome. I love that. And thank you for sharing your your story and your perspective on purpose and living by design. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I could like talk about this forever. <laughs> I have so much fun <laughs> chatting with with like-minded people who have an interest in, in going deep and having those conversations. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and the topics of purpose and living by design. You can find more from her at MissMsKateHouse.com. The links are in the show notes and her podcast, the Live by Design podcast. Make sure to go over and check out my episode of her podcast for more things me. All the things are at yourjoyologist.com. Make sure to shop my products. They are going away. I don't think products will go away forever, but they are going away for now. And when they come back, it won't be like a bajillion products to choose from. It'll just be a couple intentional items, you know, and who knows when that's going to be. So go to shop.yourjoyologist.com. You can get my app in the app store. It's called Own Your Awesome. Hit me up if you are interested in working with me in one-on-one or in a group container. The best way is to DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman or go to my website and you can book a free call to chat. And um, I would love to work with you. Maybe you're wondering what your purpose is and finding that within yourself. Maybe you have a dream of something you've been wanting to put out in the world and you struggle to actually follow through or and 
Believe in yourself because the world is busy. The world is noisy. There are shoulds coming at us all the time. Comparisons, inner judgment, imposter syndrome, all of that, that stops us. So let me support you to move through all the noise and allow yourself to show up for you and your life. All right, I'm sending you so much love and a reminder, you matter. You have purpose in being you. Go spread some kindness today, okay? <laughs>